Uh, James 5, verse 12. And so let me, let me read it, and then we're going to dive into it. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So James says, above all, do not swear. And what he means by that is not do not curse, though this can lead to this. He's not saying that. He says, do not promise by, he says, anything. Just keep it simple, is what he's saying. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. That is, don't be changing your mind or making excuses. And he says, why? So that you may not be condemned. Wow. Now, you might look at this and say, well, no doubt we must keep true to our promises. And and maybe right away you're thinking of um, a courtroom scene. Or maybe it's bringing you back to your wedding day and vows, and you think, amen. I mean, those are important things, and certainly this must be true. James 5.12 must speak to that. Maybe you're thinking of uh, different financial um, agreements you've had to make, or even you're going through maybe fostering or adoption and the signing and the promises that are in there, and we say, man, you need to keep to those. And if you don't keep to those, that can sometimes result in going to jail, quite honestly. When the circumstance is big, then we say we need to keep our promises simple. But here's James. If you look at verse 12 and look at it there, he doesn't give a context, does he? He doesn't say, on that big day, then keep your promises simple. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, when everything's on the line and you've run out of options and you're the last line of defense, then in those moments, above all, in those moments, keep your promises simple. James doesn't say that. James is actually speaking about, and hear this, he's speaking about the day-to-day, boring even, mundane, simple promises. And he says, and can you believe it? He says, above all, keep those. I'll be home at six. See you at prayer meeting. Yes, I can watch your game. No, you can't have that toy. Yes, you need to finish your supper, and no, you don't get dessert. And James says, keep your promises simple, because if you don't, he says it can result in in condemnation. Okay, like, the book of James, if, if you've been with us through this series, is there not another book on earth, in, in the Bible, that is not more to the point than James? Like, you're like, was James just an angry kid and he grew up and he just like one of those guys, you're like, no filters, you just keep saying what's on your mind. Here's the thing is he's not, okay? James is direct for a reason because God's being direct to us. What's the big deal with simple promises, James? Okay, what's the big deal? I mean, wouldn't we say, and maybe right away, even now you're, you're discouraged because you think, well, things happen, things that are out of my control. I run into traffic all the, pro- all the time. Uh, I'm late for things, I get the flu, uh, there's floods. Did you know that there was a flood in Brantford? Yeah, aware of that? Okay, bridges are closed. The only, you can't hardly find your way around Brantford when the bridges are open, <laughs> let alone when they're closed, right? <laughs> do details matter? I mean, do details really matter? Keep things simple. Like, I caught a fish and it was how big? I mean, really, does it, does it really 
Does it really matter? I said I'd be there, but look, I never actually promised, so back off a bit. Okay, maybe for the kids here, I got the four fives in, in here this morning, maybe you'd say, uh, it's okay, we didn't actually pinky promise. I don't know what that means, but opportunities come up. Say, sorry, I was going to be there, but honestly, life is short, and there was this lifetime opportunity, and I had to take advantage of it, and you know what, we can maybe do that thing another time, but it's not going to work for now. We say all these situations, we say, James, really, keep your promises simple, like all of them, why do they matter so much? And we're going to see in this verse why our simple promises are, in fact, a big deal. And the first is this, simple promises are strong. Simple promises are strong. James says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Do not swear by them. When you swear by something, here's what you're doing. When you're swearing by something, you're swearing or promising by its character. By its, maybe you figure its reliability, its lasting value, its preciousness, its it's basically something that's greater than you. And you say, by that thing, I'm going to swear by it. That's why we don't swear by um, squirrels or the kitchen garbage. I swear by the kitchen garbage. Like, you don't ever say that, right? Because it doesn't matter, because it doesn't mean anything. And when you swear by it something, what you're saying is, this is so great, you can trust it's going to happen. Now, the context is always very important. James writes this to believers. They happen to be Jewish, okay? It's like we happen to be Branfordites, most of us, I guess, right? They're, they're Jewish, that matters, and they're Christian. And what was going around with the rabbis is this teaching that basically, depending on what you promised by, depended on if it was actually going to be happening, or if you were, more importantly, accountable to it. So they would say things like, they would swear by, if you swore by your own life, or someone else's life, maybe the life of your brother or sister, or the life of the king, or by health, or you swore by an object, but avoided mentioning or alluding even to the name of God, then you were not bound. You're off the hook. In effect, the swearing of oaths had degenerated to a system that indicated whether you could lie or not. Amazing. But really no different than now. I mean, if there's ever a time in our culture where... Telling the truth was confusing. Would it not be now? I mean, what's right for you is right for me, but not for you. That's okay, whatever works. And, and all the games that go on in the court systems and the rest of it, and it's like, what is truth, right? And so they're in the same context in many ways that we are. And James says, look, don't swear. And look, he says, don't swear by what? He mentions heaven or earth. He basically is saying anything that you can think of above and anything Below, he says, when you're going to promise, don't promise by those things. And then, so he covers it all. And then he says, almost like the icing on the cake, or by any other oath. <laughs> Just to cover my, if I didn't cover it with heaven and earth, anything else you can think of. He says, don't do it. And so James is saying a couple of things here. Okay, here's, here's what is going on. He's calling the Christians to stop making excuses. He's saying, stop, stop swearing by things and giving yourself an out. When you say, I said I'd be there, but I didn't actually promise. You know what? I crossed my fingers. When I said it, I actually crossed my fingers. And we do these things 
even in our hearts, well, I didn't really mean it. Look, I didn't shake on it, but I shook, but I, I didn't look you in the eye when I shook, or my handshake wasn't that firm. Like, I wasn't crushing you and bringing you down to your knees, right? Like, what, what do we need to do? And you say, I was only suggesting. And James says, stop making excuses. He's also saying, look, when you swear by these things, what you're, what you're doing in that moment is you're attempting to bring out the big guns, right? And And you're like, now this means something. And so when you swear by something, what is actually happening is you're saying, look, most of the time you can't trust me. You're not sure if I really mean what I'm saying, but today you're in luck. Okay, today I promise by my mother's grave that this is going to happen. Or by my pinky. Or by heaven and earth times infinity, times infinity, times infinity, to the power of 10, right? And now you know, now you know, or by these tears, and not just these tears, look how big they are, and look how many they are, and now you know that I can be trusted. And James says, stop doing that. There's, there's no strength in that. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 5. We have a parallel passage to this. Amazing. James, the brother of Jesus, in fact, that later comes to Christ. And now it's interesting to me that he's taking right from Matthew 5. And look what Jesus says. Matthew 5, 33 to 37. Jesus says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. He's saying, don't lie. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven or earth, for it is the throne of God. Or by the earth, sorry, for it is the footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Wow. The words of Christ. So, some of you might be thinking after reading that, Sweet, guys, you're thinking, I'm off the hook. When my wife says, let's watch the wedding video, I can say, uh, no, quite honestly, based on Matthew 5 and James 5, I'm offended by those vows. And now you're off the hook, guys. You don't have to listen to it or watch it anymore. What is, what is the point here? Is James saying, look, no more, no more weddings, no more vows, no more courtroom promises? And I would say, absolutely not. The point Jesus is making in Matthew 5 is the same point that James makes. He's saying, don't swear by something in an attempt to make your point or prove that you aren't lying. He's saying it's weak. When you swear by something, it's weak because you're swearing by something that you don't own. It's not yours to promise by. It doesn't give any strength. He's saying in this case, in Matthew 5, you're swearing by God's throne, by God's footstool, Who's the great king? Christ by his city. He's saying, it's, it's like me stealing Matt Bunch's um, visa card and making a down payment on a nice car as a guarantee that I'm going to pay the rest. It's not, it's not mine to take. It's not mine to use. And this is what Christ is saying. He's saying, don't swear by these things and somehow think that you're leveraging power because it's not yours. And the second thing is this, is that when you swear by things... Um, there is zero power in it. Jesus says, uh, look at the hair on your head. Has anyone tried to grow hair 
or turn hair white or turn hair black. I know that you maybe have, some of you, maybe, but on your own, without dye, you can't do it. I've tried. You can't. You and nothing's happening. No power in it. And Jesus says, you don't have any power in that. So why are you swearing by it as if somehow this is giving you something? And then we hear, and isn't this incredible, that this matters. Any promise more complicated than yes or no is not only weak, but Jesus says, and James says, it's evil. It leads to condemnation. Why? Why, James? Well, here's the thing is, I'm not God. You're not God. We're not God. We don't have this power. We don't have these things. James says, keep your promises simple. Ask yourself this. When are you most confident that you're going to follow through on something? Or maybe better, if you were to ask those closest to you, when would Kyle follow through on what he said? What would they say? When are you most confident that you're going to follow through with it, that there's strength to what you said? Would it be in in certain occasions we just know that he's going to follow through, that she's going to follow through? Whether it's the feelings, no, they had this, this burning in the bosom, or they had these feelings or these tears or whatever it would be. Was it, well, no, so-and-so was present, so it was by the presence of that person? Or they shook my hand and, no, that was a firm hand, they looked me in the eyes. What is it? What is it about you that people would say, no, I know that person and they did this? Ask yourself that. Because here's the thing is it can never be by anything other than God. The strength of our promises must be by God and nothing else. It is only by God that we can make promises. It's only by God that I can keep any sort of promise. Deuteronomy 6.13 says something very interesting in light of James 5. It says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve. And look at this. By his name you shall swear. But I thought we weren't supposed to swear by anything. Here's what's being said in Deuteronomy 6 is God must be at the center of your promises. He has to be at the center of everything that you do, say, think, and promise. But here's the problem. Here's the problem is I am so prone, we are so prone to attempt to use the things of God. To use, in fact, God himself for my own glory and my own means all the time. And do you know that one chapter, almost literally one chapter back in Deuteronomy 5 is this. Is the warning from the Ten Commandments, Third Commandment, and it's this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We are so prone to this. We say it's all about God. Think of James Four, okay? James has spoken about this. You go back to James chapter 4, uh, verse 15. Remember, we had looked at this before. James says, You ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And that's not just, look, um, just let go and let God, and whatever happens, happens. That's not what James is saying. James is saying, Look, whatever you decide to do needs to be, if God wills it, but for God's will. Is it the will of God that you're promising these things? Are you going towards the will of God in all that you do? And then, Lord willing, God will let you do that. How easy it is for me to say, by God's grace, or help me God, by God's help, or even straight out of James, Lord willing. And yet, 
My plans have nothing to do with the will or the glory of God. Maybe you're saying, Lord willing, I'll get through this divorce, but, but maybe you need to seek forgiveness and restoration. Maybe you say, Lord willing, I need to clear my head, but maybe you need to fill it with Scripture. You might say, Lord willing, I need to just get over and forget the past, and maybe you need to deal with it. Maybe you say, Lord willing, I need some space, and maybe you need to be home. So how do we guard against this misuse of the name of God? Well, the first is to admit that we break our promises. That's the starting point. In humility to say, I'm a promise breaker. I will break them. I can't control the future. I can't stop floods. And often I'm about my own will. But here's the, here's the thing that James is saying is, your promises are strongest when they're simplest. Your promises are strongest when they're simplest, when they are truly about God and God alone. By God alone, by His will, His grace, His glory, and His power. And in that, there is tremendous strength that the world has no handle on. That as believers, we have. James says this matters tremendously. Second reason Simple promises are a big deal as this. Simple promises are true. James says, But let your yes be yes and your no be no. So keeping your promise either means yes I will or no I won't. I mean, it's, it's almost so simple. It's like a guarantee. If you had a test on this, right? This is like a homeschooler um, dream come true, right? Mom wrote this test on this verse. I'm going to nail it. It doesn't get any simpler than this. Yes is yes and no is no, 100% good. And on paper, we'd even say, this looks great. Fantastic. But here's the thing. There is a whole host of things that keep this from happening, isn't there? I mean, think about all the things that make this command impossible. Our own sin, right? I'm I'm a promise breaker. The sin of others that hold us from following through or uh, spiritual opposition, a broken world, as we've already said, like a flood that comes and closes down major bridges in town. Or God himself, who quite simply has different plans than, than me and you. So doesn't that complicate things? Right? Doesn't that complicate things? And so how is it that James doesn't mention any of those things? You can bet that there was floods and there was droughts and there was sin when James wrote this. We know that there was, and yet he doesn't mention any of it. He doesn't say, and last these things. He doesn't, he doesn't give any room for it. He just says simply, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why? Think about the times that, ironically, we try to be more truthful in adding complications to our promises. Right? Think about how, ask yourself, how complicated do I make my promises? I'll be there, probably. Uh, for sure, I think. Um, text me. I might get sick. Uh, or sleep in or forget. But I'm, like, you can count on me unless and otherwise and um, maybe pencil me in. Right? Anyone other than me prone to do this, like with everything that you say, Right? And so James, doesn't, he says, don't do that. You, what you're trying to do is be more truthful, 
but you're actually not. You're actually not being more truthful in those moments. So let me walk you through a scenario. Okay, let's picture the flood. The flood just happened, right? Flood of the Bible? No, I'm talking Branford. Okay, let's picture the flood in Branford. Okay, and you had an appointment at 4 o'clock, and you've got to cross the bridge to get this appointment, and oh, there's a flood, and oh, the bridge is closed. Now you're sitting in your car. You said you'd be there at 4. There is no hope you're getting there, maybe until tomorrow. Are you sinning? You're thinking, I read James 5, verse 12. You're pulling your hair out, freaking out, thinking, my yes needs to be yes, and my no needs to be no. And I said yes, and so you're thinking, how do I get a rope across the river, and I'm going to swim it, or whatever. I need to make sure. Are, are you sinning? Would it have been better if you said, ah, if I only would have mentioned floods? Or, you're the one guy that's not losing his mind on the bridge, and, and you're literally leaned up against your car. You're like, what's with that guy? Oh, he promised, unless there's a flood. And so he's living the good life because he's apparently kept his yes is yes and no is no. It's like, I anticipated this. I guessed it. 20 years ago it happened, and I thought it could happen again today. And so I'm okay. Is that what James is saying? No. Your yes can still be your yes even if you get stopped. Here's the thing. Is it your fault? You're on the bridge. Was it your fault? Did you sin? Could it be that God had different plans that day? And then who gets the glory? Now, isn't it interesting that there's always someone, though, that always seems to run into a flood? There's always a flood. There's always something. You know, there's, there's floods or flus or whatever else. And here's the thing that's interesting is you need to ask yourself, and this hit me as I was prepping for this, how often have I lied and made excuses when it's my fault and it's not the intervention of God? How many times have, here's the thing, it's uncanny, I had a supernatural ability almost to be five minutes late to every appointment that I ever went to. For, I'm not that old, decades I'd say. I was able to nail it. Five minutes late, five minutes late, five minutes late. Why? Well, there was floods and there was kids and there was traffic and there was weather and I got lost and I had vehicle trouble and I couldn't find parking. And the list goes on, but somehow I just just fashionably late. It's a lie. My yes in that case is not my yes. And it is sin. Talk about convicting. James says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So let let me work you through three applicational points for us this morning that will maybe help flesh this out a little bit more. So here they are. Here's Three ways my promises aren't true. And the first is this, I'm inconsistent. I'm inconsistent. Okay, if you're anything like me, has anyone experienced not being able to sleep because you have something exciting the next day? Kids, anybody have a problem sleeping if you've got something exciting the next day? Yes? Maybe. We see this all the time. You're dying, right? You're up every half hour checking the alarm. You set five alarms. You're just like, wake me up in five minutes. You just don't want to miss it, right? Why is that? Why is it that we put this on, on that level? I'm going to miss my flight. I've got this appointment, this job interview. I'm meeting so-and-so, this birthday party, whatever it would be. Because we think this matters more than the other stuff of life. But our yes needs to be yes because it's a big deal all the time, and our no needs to be no, because it's a big deal all the time. Why? Because God is consistent. God is truthful. 
Our God does not change. Praise God, He does not change. We need to be consistent in our pursuits. Second is this. I'm spread too thin. Maybe you've taken James 5 verse 12 and you've said, I will make sure to keep my yeses my yeses and my noes my noes. And then let's, let's look at the yes side of things. You're like, the problem is, is I've said yes to like 50 things. But I need to keep them. Because I said my yes would be yes. But that's the problem is you're spread too thin. James in saying keep your yes, yes, and no, no didn't say, say yes to more or no to more necessarily. See, and so we think we're doing something godly. I just honestly, I think it was three days ago, had to repent before my family. Literally, sanding drywall, sermon prepping, eating lunch, texting, and short of everything but laundry all at the same time. And somehow this is godly. It's not. I said in light, or my own sermon illustration, finally, it comes from me. Well done, Kyle. Right? And we spread ourselves too thin and think that somehow this is godly. But when I say yes to one thing, and we have this saying in our house, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And in some senses, whether you like it or not, right? In some senses, we say you better say no to something. If I'm driving, I'm saying no to what? Texting. Yeah, absolutely. We look at these things and it's just, you can't do the multitasking. If you're, dry, if you're sanding drywall, you say no to eating lunch. Why? Because it's gross if you don't. And your kids have dust in their eyes and like, ah, so much pain. You just don't do it because it's not going to work well, right? And then we say there's other things, though, where we think, no, I can pull it off. You weren't asked to. The Lord has kept it very simple and said, yes to one thing means no to something else. Keep it simple. doesn't mean add more to the list. And in our day and age, man, if there's ever a time where this is going to be a massive struggle, it's now. You could do more. The Internet's faster. You, you know, things are more efficient, right? Like multitask and the rest of it. I'm saying, God has said we're keeping it much more simple than that. Third, third ways that my promises aren't true. And last, I quit. I've quit. Maybe you think I live in a floodplain, so what is the point of ever trying again? And on a more serious note, maybe for you, honestly, you struggle with chronic pain. You've got headaches. Or you, you quite honestly, you don't know what today or tomorrow, this afternoon is going to look like because you're sick. And maybe for you, you feel like, okay, my yes will be yes, my no will be no because I'll just stop making promises because I can't follow through. But here's the thing is James doesn't mention that. He says, no, you, you keep making your promises, your yeses and your noes, and you let God get the glory in the times where you fail, and it's your own sin, you repent. You say, God, forgive me. And the times where it's out of your control, and the headache comes, and the sickness comes, you say, God's up to something. And you talk to this person, get back to four o'clock, you talk to your four o'clock and say, this is what happened, and God's up to something, so let's talk about him. James says, make your promises simple. Simple promises are true, they're strong, and they're a big deal, and here's the last reason why. Simple promises have consequences. Look what James says. He says, make simple promises, why? So that you may not fall under condemnation. Now, like this is heavy, right? He's clearly speaking to brothers. You can see it there in verse 12. He says, brothers, right? He's speaking to, and by brothers, believers, right? 
How can he be saying that they would fall under condemnation? Romans 8, 1, right? Or there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? So what's, is James just being strong again? Is he kind of using intimidation like the times I'll tell my kids, look, you do that again and you're not eating supper ever. Again, ever. And my wife leans in and she's like, you actually can't say that. Is that what James is doing? Is, is James just like, and you're condemned. If you do this, you're condemned. But he doesn't really mean it, and he's just trying to scare them. Well, we know that he's not. We know that he's not. When he says condemned, he means it. So what in the world is he saying? Well, this sounds really similar, doesn't it, to verse 9. Okay, James 5, look at verse 9. A couple verses back, James had said this, if you remember this. Do not grumble against one another, brothers. Why? So that you may not be judged. That's incredible. He's just getting angry again? No. What is he saying? He seems to be saying, whether it's your grumbling against others, particularly believers, or complicated promises, it's causing you to walk under condemnation with God, which is really a way of saying, as believers, you're walking contrary to the gospel. You're walking in a lie. You're walking opposite to the truth of who you are. That's a, that's a big deal. It's like I tell my kids, look, in some ways, on a, on, a, on a weak level to try to illustrate this, when my kids do something against, you know, my wife and I, they sin. I'll say, look, you're still my boy. You're still my girl. Right? That doesn't change, but there's a broken relationship now, right? You're walking as if it's not true right now. And that's what James is saying. This is, this is a big deal, and you walk as if it isn't true. Would we say, though, that above all, we must honestly keep our promises simple. Like, I, I had to really wrestle with this to say, do I really believe that? Or is it just the big things in life? James says it's all the things. If you complicate your promises by knocking on wood or crossing fingers or with your yeah buts or your no maybes, then you are walking under condemnation. Why? Why is it such a big deal? Here's why it's such a big deal Genesis 3.15. We've gone, now this brings us back to our other sermon series. If you remember Genesis 3.15, Genesis 3.15, Genesis, first book of the Bible, we get sin now into the world, a holy God, what is going to happen? And we get the first picture of the gospel in Genesis 3.15. The head of the serpent will be bruised, that is crushed, so Satan, sin, and death destroyed, and the heel of, what, the offspring, the heel of the woman's offspring. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus will be crushed on the cross. This will happen. He will destroy death, sin, and hell. Amazing. So here's the thing. That was a promise made, and thousands and thousands of years later, you have Christ, and what does he do? He made a promise. Though the wrath of God was horrific, sweating drops of blood in the garden... He kept his promise. Though the weight of, of bearing the wrath of God was impossible to endure, he endured it. Though the law was impossible to keep, he kept it. Though we deserve death, he took it and was bruised. This is why this matters so much. When we are trusting in these promises, when we're trusting in the sure promises of God, then we go and complicate our own 
right? We complicate our own and we make excuses and we break them. We are literally in that moment then saved sinners because of the promises of God and we're going this way and saying, but I'm walking this way. I'm walking in a lie. And there is few things more heinous than that. That's why it's such a big deal. Our lives must be characterized by the simple promises of God because quite simply, he keeps his promises. He keeps them. If he hasn't, we have no hope. If he doesn't, we are dead. Numbers 23.19 tells us, we have a God who is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that is like myself that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do? The answer is yes, it's rhetorical. Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Amen, he will. He will. The Lord, you see, the Lord doesn't have off days. The Lord doesn't have an off day. The Lord doesn't run out of patience. The Lord doesn't get tired. He's not weak. He doesn't weaken or get old. He doesn't forget. He doesn't run late. He doesn't have vehicle problems and his phone doesn't die. Something better doesn't come up. He doesn't manipulate and lie to get something. And so when I know these things, my motivation for showing up at 4 o'clock for an appointment is much different. Then it comes out of a heart that sees what's already been accomplished for me in Christ. And now in a sense I have free with joy to try to model that in my life. And when I fail and I complicate things and I make excuses, I lie, or my plans are thwarted because I'm powerless to follow through, there's a flood, I must remember that God keeps his promises. I must look again to the God who keeps his promises and I must point others to the God who keeps his promises whose yes is yes and no is no. That's why it matters so much. We have a God that keeps his promises. This is good news of the gospel. So we're going to close, um, just before I pray, we're going to close with a song. And um, in this song, I want you to, to ask yourself this question. Is it true of my life that because of my word, because of the promises that I make, because of my simple promises, that my family and my friends and my coworkers and my peers and my neighbors would sing this song, not about me because it's not about me, but because of me would sing this song about Christ, the one that we know keeps his promises?